Have you ever noticed how God rarely does things the way you, you think he should? Uh, have you noticed that God chooses people that we would never choose? Think about it. Who would have chosen Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? I, I mean, he's way out in the desert and he's committed murder and buried his victim in the sand. And, and, and still, God chooses Moses. Who would ever thought that God would have chosen Peter? I mean, uh, to preach a message on the day of Pentecost. Uh, 50 days earlier, it was Peter uh, that, that would deny that he even ever knew Jesus. And yet, God chose Peter on the day of Pentecost to preach, and 3,000 souls were saved. I'm speaking to you today about God choosing the unlikely. I hope this will be an encouragement to you, us today. You may think today that I am an unlikely person for God to use. I'm a misfit and God has no place for me. I want you to open your Bibles this morning the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, as we look at this passage of scripture this morning, I hope that we can see that God's choice of the unlikely uh, may be talking about you. Follow along with me as we look at 1 Samuel chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him from ruling over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. Uh, and, and I, for I have chosen a king for myself from among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And, and the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you will do. And you will anoint for me him who I tell you. Samuel did that which the Lord spoke and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come in peace? He said, I have come in peace to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the anointed of the Lord is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema to pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. So Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are these all your young men? And he said, There remains yet the youngest. And, they, and there he is shepherding the flock. 
Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a good appearance. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came on David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Israel wanted a king. That's not how God wanted it from the beginning. He, he did not intend for them to have a monarchy. He intended for them to be a theocracy. That means that God was to be their ruler, their king. God was going to fight their battles for them. But, but do you know what they said? We want to be like the other nations. Uh, give us a king because we want to be like other countries. Let me just say this here. That, that when, we, when you want to be like other people, uh, you want to embrace the culture around you, your decision is always wrong. I want to fit in. I want to be a part. I want to blend in with the culture. So I'm going to participate with this and I'm going to believe whatever. If your desire is to conform to the world around you, your decision is always wrong. The Bible, the children of Israel said, we want a king. Saul was head and shoulders above the rest of them. He was a tall man. He was a mighty warrior. And he is a king. He is the king that we need. But Saul had rebellion in his heart. Saul would, would make bad decisions. Saul had the idea, I can disobey God and everything will be fine. Finally, God says, I have rejected Saul from being king. So God tells his prophet uh, Samuel to go to Saul. I, I have rejected him and as king. Samuel is taking his, his life in his own hands he, to go in front of Saul, who is emotionally unstable, uh, to tell him that God has rejected him. Samuel understands that, that he's taking his life in his own hands because there is a high probability that Saul will kill him. Then God says, I want you to go to Bethlehem. That small, insignificant little village outside of Jerusalem Go to Bethlehem. And then these words must have terrified Samuel because God tells him in verse number one, I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have chosen a king for myself from among his sons. I rejected Saul, and I have chosen a king for myself. Who will it be? What will he look like? Listen, when God searches for a person to use, he does not follow the rules of the world for that person. Yes. When God is looking for someone to use, he's not searching for the best looking. He's not searching for the smartest. He's not looking for the best educated. God is not looking for the most talented because he said, uh, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Your physical limitations do not disqualify you from being used by God. But your heart might. Your lack of education does not make you unusable for God. But what is in your heart might make you unusable for God. 
I want you to see two things in our text today. The first one is this. Those who are used by God are chosen by God's sovereign providence. God's sovereign choice. So God tells Samuel to go to Bethlehem, to go to Jesse's house, because he has chosen one of Jesse's sons to be the next king. Notice what he says when he comes uh, to the city in verse number six. When they came, he looked at Eliab and said, surely the anointing of the Lord is before him. Samuel said this must be the one because he is the oldest and according to the culture of the day, according to the tradition of the day, he's the oldest, so he must be the one that God has selected to be king. Eliab was the oldest. He was the most mature. He, 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 and, and that may have convinced Samuel that he must be the one. He's big. He's strong. He must be our next king. And God said, nope, it's not him. And this is the reason why I look at verse number seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance. It doesn't matter if he's six foot five and 240 pounds, lean and mean. That is not what I'm looking for. It doesn't matter how handsome he is. It doesn't matter his talents and abilities. He, he said, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. This is what we need to learn today. For the Lord sees not as man sees. I really shouldn't say this, but I was looking for a job when I found this one, so I think I'll say it. <laughs> you know, you can disguise and camouflage wrinkles. You can change the color of your hair. And if you don't have any, you can have it implanted. <laughs> and we can fool one another. We can deceive each other by our looks. And I, you know, I think that's a big motivation. A, a man sees a woman and he sees her physical beauty. He looks at her body shape. He focuses on the external and, and comes to the decision. That's the one I'm going to marry. Because her skin is so smooth and her hair is the right color. And she looks really nice. And he, he makes a decision based on those things. Now, men are not the only ones to do that. Women do that too. Time and age have a way of changing all of that. Yes. The physique becomes weaker. Hair turns gray or turns loose. <laughs> and the games can only be played so long. We make a lot of decisions based on upon the external, based on what we can see. Well, it looks like he's the right one. If Eliab uh, is standing in front of the prophet and he says, surely the anointed of the Lord is this one. He's the oldest. He's strong. He's big. He'll be a great leader for Israel. And God said, no, that's not the one I've chosen. So they prayed parade Abinadab in front of the prophet and God says no it's not Abinadab and they parade Shema in front of uh, Samuel and, and, and God said it's not him either God's choice of the unlikely after Jesse uh, showed 
seven of his sons, Samuel asked him in verse number 11, are these all of your young men? He said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is shepherding the flock. He said two things about David. Number one, he is the youngest. Number two, he is shepherding the sheep. He's not the one you want. God would never choose a 16-year-old shepherd boy to be the king over all of Israel. He's not the one you want. Samuel says, we will not sit down until he comes here. And you can see David running when, he, when they called him. He had the smell of sheep on him. He stands there before the prophet sweaty and stinky. I, I just spent a week at camp. I understand the smell of a 16-year-old boy who's been playing. <laughs> and, and most of our guys either jump in the pool or at least walk through the water shower once a day. They didn't do that back then. You know, he was sweaty and thinking, God says, that's the one. And so Jesse and, and Eliab and Abinadab and, and Shema, uh, all they knew was that David was the baby of the family. He was a shepherd. And the song, as the song says, others may see a shepherd boy, but God sees a king. We may look at our youth group and say, and see a kid who's, who's rowdy and unruly, but God may see a powerful preacher of the gospel. Another see a teenage girl who doesn't dress according to their, your specification. She doesn't speak the way you like. God may see when she grows up a minister to be abused and rejected in society. We're so quick to judge. They will never make it. They'll never make it in the ministry. They'll never make it living a Christian life. They'll never last. They don't have what it takes. But we're all looking at uh, is what we can see. Being David, he's a shepherd boy, 16 years old. Let's see in verse number seven. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I'm going to ask you a silly question, but I want you to think about it anyway. Can you see anybody's heart? You know what's, what's in my heart this morning? Can I look at your face? Can I look at how tall you are? Can I look at the color of your hair and say what is in your heart? Do I or anybody else have the ability to say that you have greed in your heart? There is jealousy in your heart. There is lust in your heart. There are all kinds of sin in your heart. Can I look at you today and say without hesitation, you are here today because you love God? Everything in me wants to believe that you are here because you love God, but the fact of the matter is, I don't know that. I don't know that because all I can see is you. I can see your external. I, I can't see what's on the inside. I can't see what's in the heart. God looks at the heart. What is that? The heart is who you really are. 
You, you, are, you are who you are. You do what you do. You believe what you believe. You say what you say because of what is in your heart. And the heart are the motives for our actions. And the heart is where we find why we do what we do. God saw in David what Samuel could not see in David. God saw in David what his brothers could not see in David. In chapter 3, 13, after Saul had failed to follow instructions, Samuel told uh, the Lord, has sought for himself a man after his own, what? Heart. God was able to see the heart of David and he could see that David had a heart for God. What does that mean? Does that mean that David was perfect? Absolutely not. He was a man in the flesh. Does it mean that David would never commit sin? Absolutely not. He was a man in the flesh. He had a, but he had a heart for God. His heart was turned toward God as a sunflower is turned toward the sun. One thing that separates David from all the other kings of Israel and Judah is this. David never bowed to an idol or an image. The rest of them would do that. The rest of them would pay their respects to false gods, but not David. Did David have sin in his life? Yes. But his heart was devoted to God. He made mistakes. He made bad decisions. But his heart was devoted to God. God saw something in David that everyone else could not see. God saw his character. Character is what you are in the dark. Character is what you are when no one is looking. And you can do anything you want. But you still do the right thing. That is character. I want you to know this morning that God is not looking at how big your muscles are. God is not looking at how smart you are. God is looking this morning at the character of your heart. What's in your heart? What motivates you? What moves you? What is it about you that God could say, there's one I can use? I'm preparing this sermon. I started thinking about the people that God used, and I, I thought about this question. At what point does a person become unusable to God? If he messes up, can God still use him? He used Peter and Moses. At what point can God no longer use you? What do you have to do? How far do you have to go before you become unusable to God? And I came to this conclusion. I don't know. Uh, because many of the people who got used in the scriptures had tremendous failures in their life. God restored them and God still used them. That ought to make you shout right there, folks. Your failure does not disqualify you. Uh, your, your inabilities do not disqualify you. The only thing that can disqualify you is your heart. There's something interesting in this text, and I want you to see it again. Not only did God choose David, but God empowered David. They were empowered by God's spiritual power. It says in verse 13, 
think our PowerPoint's up there. Okay. Uh, then, then Daniel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the brothers of his brothers, and, and, and the spirit of the Lord came on David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Samuel went home. So God chooses who he wants according to his divine providence and those that God appoints. God anoints. You may be thinking, my heart is right. My heart belongs to God. I love God with all my heart. I want to be used of God, but I just don't know if I can do it. You can be sure that those that God appoints, God anoints. That means this. If God has chosen you for some work, if God has put his calling on your life uh, uh, to, for some job, some activity, whatever it is, when God leads you, God empowers you by his spirit. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul writes about this same subject in 1 Corinthians uh, 26 and 27. For observe your calling, brothers, among you, not many wise according to flesh, not many mighty men and not many noble men were called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I'm not saying that intelligence disqualifies you. I, I'm not saying that a well-toned body disqualifies you, what I am saying above all else is that your heart must belong to him. There's one more thing that I want you to see. I'm done, but I want you to see this. When you look at the rest of this chapter, David is chosen by God to be king. He's been anointed by Samuel, the prophet, and it looks to me like David goes back to being a shepherd. That's interesting to me. If David can't be faithful over a few sheep, David can't be faithful over God's people. I said I'm done. But there is a very clear link between David and Jesus. Let me close with this. In Matthew 1.1. The Bible says the book of the generation, a book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Luke 2, 4 says, so Joseph also departed from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem in Judea, because he was of the house and lineage of David. At the end of our Bibles, Revelation 22, verse 16 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Luke 1.32, he will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. There's another David. There is a descendant of David, the seed of David, the son of David, and that is Jesus Christ. The people saw him. They looked at his size, his stature. They knew he was from a little hick town called Nazareth. He couldn't be our Messiah. He couldn't be our Savior. He was not taught by the right rabbis. 
He, wasn't, he hasn't gone to the right schools. He doesn't wear the right clothes. He doesn't associate with the right people. But God said, this is my son, the savior of the world. And the entire Israel nation missed the fact that Jesus was the Christ because they were focused on the external. Don't miss Jesus this morning. Don't miss Jesus because he didn't fit into your box. Because he doesn't fit into the image that you have. Don't miss Jesus because he doesn't look like a savior. Don't miss Jesus because he doesn't look like a king. This morning, you can know this king. You can be the subject of this king, the Lord Jesus. You need to recognize your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus. This morning, God is looking at your heart. God's not looking over your IQ. He's not going over your medical records. God is looking into your heart. What about your heart? Is your heart totally for God? Are you willing for God to go to the other side of the desert like he did for Moses and choose you and use you to promote his kingdom here on this earth? Let's all stand this morning with our heads bowed. This morning, we're going to offer an invitation. If you've never received Christ as your personal Savior, we invite you to come this morning. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved today. God loves you. The price has been paid for your sins. This morning, you, you can know the joy of having your sins forgiven. Won't you come? As a child of God, you might be thinking, I'd like to do more. I'd like to be more involved. I'd like to do something for God. I'm not sure if I can. If God put it in your heart to do it, God will give you what you need to enable you to do it. God has a plan and purpose for every person here. He will lead you and strengthen you to fulfill his will for your life. Won't you respond as the Spirit speaks to you this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Dear we're so thankful that you're willing to call those who are unlikely to just a young man didn't know much, didn't do well in school, was very unpopular, picked on, called me to the ministry. Dear Lord, I'm thankful for that. Uh, that you've led my life in the direction that you wanted me to go. Dear Lord, there might be others here today feel inadequate, feel like they just don't measure up because of the appearance. Dear Lord, if you put it in their heart, 
I pray, dear Lord, that today they will accept that call and will be active and be used by you. There may be some here today who doesn't have, do not have you in their heart because they've never accepted Christ as their Savior. Dear Lord, I pray that today will be the day that they would receive Christ as their Savior. Lord, move in our spirit, in our service today. Help us as we listen to you and follow your will in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you come as the invitation is sung?